Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Hi everyone, feels like it's been a little while since I've spoken to you, so good to be back. Two months ago, on the 20th of March, we began a series that we called Reset, Following Jesus in a New Normal. For those of us who might say that we've been followers of Jesus for more than a few years, it's a bit of a back-to-the-beginning series that seeks to help us take a look at how we're going following Jesus after a couple of years where the only thing that probably hasn't changed is Jesus. For those of you who might be new to following Jesus or who might be still considering whether you'll follow Jesus, we hope this series provides you with some fresh impetus about your growing and developing faith journey. The language that we're using in this series is based around how we might live our lives as an apprentice of Jesus. We're all familiar with the language of apprenticeship. For example, our son is a third year electrical apprentice and we know that means he's learning from the best, the experience. His bosses are like electrical rabbis, teaching him what what he needs to know to stop him and us from coming to a very shocked ending. (laughs) To be an apprentice of Jesus is to organize our lives around three goals, around being with Jesus, around becoming like Jesus, and around doing what Jesus did. This series has been breaking down those three aspects of what it is to be an apprentice of Jesus. We've had a couple of weeks off from this series, but you may remember that last time we were in the series, Chriselle spoke about how we receive ongoing teaching into our lives, particularly when we encounter Kairos moments, which are effectively when light bulbs go on and we feel God speaking to us through His Word, the Bible, through the Spirit, because we are Spirit-filled believers when we allow that to happen. Chriselle went one step further than talking about light bulb moments, though, and she encouraged us to think about how those moments in our head get down to our heart and what that looks like in practice. What does it look like to do life and faith together? One of the catchphrases that we use here at Windsor. I love the quote that she read from James K.A. Smith, a Canadian-American philosopher who is currently Professor of Philosophy at Calvin University, holding the Gary and Henrietta Biker Chair in Applied Reformed Theology and Worldview. That's impressive, right? But he said this, We are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. Thus, Scripture counsels, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Discipleship, we might say, is a way to create, to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. I mean, wow, what a statement. Let's read that again. 
We are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. Thus, Scripture counsels, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. Deep stuff. Let's lighten it up a little bit. For those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you'll know that Joe and I have recently been on holiday in the South Island, pretty much living out all of the pictures of where so many of you have been over the last two years since our international borders have been closed. For nine days, I peppered you with pictures each evening, carefully chosen and curated images of what we had been up to that day. And generally speaking on social media, they are curated. We don't post the bad pictures. And for every photo we take, we delete three when we zoom in on them to see what we really look like up close. Don't tell me you don't do that. And then I run them through a color filter for a bit of extra effect. (laughs) Here's an example from day two, a picture of us at the top of Mount John next to Lake Tekapo. What a stunning young couple. But what this picture doesn't show you is the frustration that Joe was feeling toward me as I tried unsuccessfully a few times to delicately balance my phone on a rock and then I forgot to use the self-timer. It doesn't show us getting the timing wrong and pointing to the camera and it doesn't show you the the effort it took to walk all 1,031 metres up to the top of that mountain. We felt it was actually a good achievement for an ageing couple of grandparents like us. And as we travelled more around the South Island, we got more interested in the idea of perhaps embarking on more such hikes, perhaps trying to knock off a few of the great walks that are gloriously placed around some of the most breathtaking scenery this fine country we call home has. But this is what we know. To be able to enjoy some of the stunning locations that we are afforded the opportunity to see, Joe and I have a lot of habits we have to put into our lives to physically train ourselves to be able to enjoy their beauty in the way it deserves to be seen. Habits in our diet, habits in our savings, habits in our fitness. You know, there is a lot of truth in the phrase that nothing of great value in this life comes easily. The things of highest value sometimes come hard. I want to affirm to you today that the exact same premise applies to our spiritual lives as it does to our physical lives. And as we continue to talk about being an apprentice of Jesus, I want you today to think about what your training program involves that enables you to be able to see the world through the lens of Jesus. This kind of view means that we see our lives and the world through everything that Jesus says to us. It means, for example, that when we see Jesus saying in Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, we don't worry about tomorrow. It means, for another example, that when Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty five, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It means we forgive people who have hurt us. 
It means when Jesus says in John 10, 10, that he has come that we may have life and life to the full, we know that fullness of life because of what Jesus has done for us. And who doesn't want that? But it only happens when being an apprentice of Jesus means we really deeply want to be transformed so that we can enjoy the kind of intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that we've been designed intentionally to enjoy. I've learned in my life that to really know God in His blessed Trinity takes more than a casual interest in my spare time. You know, if you know me, that I love looking at themes that we see in the Bible. I reckon that themes have been divinely placed in Scripture to help us see some of the the big building blocks of what's important to us as followers of Jesus. Of course, one of the big themes in the Bible is about generosity and how we steward our money. But I'm just saying that to make you think I'm going to talk about money. I'm actually not. I'm going to talk about spiritual training. And I'm going to end up asking you to write down what your training plan is. The Apostle Paul writes this in his first letter to newish Christians in the city of Corinth a few thousand years ago, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's metaphor for being an apprentice of Jesus is one of athletics. He uses this metaphor because Corinth was home to the Isthmus Games. And this theme would have struck a chord with his audience. For context, the first Isthmian Games were held in 582 BC and were one of the Pan-Hellenic Games of the ancient Greece, named after the Isthmus of Corinth, where they were held. As with the Nemean Games, the Isthmian Games were held both the year before and the year after the Olympic Games. It's a bit of a long story, but the Isthmian Games flourished until about the mid-4th century AD. A bit like New Zealand of today, people understood athletic metaphors in Paul's writing, and in fact, it's a theme that runs throughout the New Testament. Here are some others. Acts 20.24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Or Galatians 5.7, where it says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Or 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Over and over again, the New Testament describes being an apprentice of Jesus like being an athlete. And perhaps the central verse to this is found 
in the Corinthian block, where in verse 25 it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul is saying that to ensure we get a crown that will last forever. And he's talking uh, about a life that starts when we begin our apprenticeship to Jesus and, and never ends because eternity is our home. He's saying it takes discipline. Perhaps we could rephrase that a little and say that to enjoy the kind of life that we've been created for, enjoying all the fullness that is on offer to us when we accept the teachings of Christ as revealed by the Spirit through His Word, it takes personal responsibility. You see, no one can force me to put the habits in place in my life that will help me enjoy the great walks. No one can force me to get fit, to get game ready, to be prepared. And it's the same with our spiritual lives. No one can force you to put in place habits and practices that mean you'll no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind, as it talks about in Romans 12. No, no one can force you to change. So the question is, what's your training plan? Earlier in this series, we in fact gave you a tool to work that out. I wonder if you did it. I wonder if you spent some time thinking about that. Here at Windsor Park, we provide you with a plethora of opportunities to connect with others for the purpose of what we call discipleship or what traditionally we might call spiritual practices. For 71 years, we've mostly, until the last couple of years, run a Sunday service, at least one for gathered worship. I mean, it's good, but it's not enough on its own. Weekly, we produce a text copy of our spoken words with some questions for reflection and some further resources to embrace to think about during the week. I mean, it's good, but it's not enough on its own. Each week, we suggest a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app, and we invite people to do that in groups. I mean, it's good, but it's not enough on its own. Each year, we run silent retreats, quiet mornings, prayer opportunities. They're good, but they're not enough on their own. We have dozens of small groups, and we constantly work at putting new ones together. They're good, but they're not enough on their own. We resource parents to be the spiritual champions of their children's spiritual growth. And we supplement that by providing an, an hour or two of curated space for age-specific groups. I mean, they're good, but they're not enough by themselves. We encourage generosity as a way to show that the power of the gospel has made its way from our heads to our hearts and to our wallets. I mean, it's good, but it's not enough on its own, particularly right now. With all that in mind, the question still remains, what's your plan? For those who know me, you'll know that my style as a leader is to simply empower you with the tools to make whatever personal decisions you want to make when it comes to being an apprentice of Jesus. We will never force you to do anything. We will never say that one way is better than another. We will never seek to manipulate you to do something that you don't want to do. What we encourage you to do is to be smart in how you craft your own training plan. 
smart training takes a balanced approach. You, you can't do everything and we don't want you to burn out trying to do everything. There's got to be balance. Smart training takes into account your personality. You've been designed in a particular way and you'll find that what comes naturally will usually be the most beneficial for your own growth. Smart training takes into account your season of life. Sometimes you have more times, more time available than at other times of your life. Sometimes you want to be around others, sometimes maybe not. We all go through seasons of life. Smart training takes into account the need of the hour. Perhaps forgiveness is something that's holding you back or patience or worry. Sometimes we need to prioritize growing in what is perhaps the most frustrating part of our lives right now. Smart training isn't afraid to do the hard work. You heard what I said earlier about the best things in life. And smart training will take longer than you think. This is a lifetime process. When I was about seven years old, I started to learn the piano. I'm sure it was painful for my parents, and like many parents, they had to keep pushing me into the lounge to practice my scales. I always struggled with some of the black note minor scales. Eight years later, I passed grade eight of the Royal Schools of Music exams, and I've been learning the piano ever since. I don't play as much as I used to, and it shows when I sit down to tinkle the ivories. How are you going in your spiritual training? Are you feeling the joy that comes in knowing that Christ is with you, that he's for you, that he's leading you? Do you read the Psalms of praise with a heart of worship that translates into gratitude for your life? Do you find that the words of Scripture speak deeply into your insecurities and your worries and your anxieties and they enable you to see a, a bigger picture? Do you have the hope of heaven invading your heart whenever you feel that in life we're, we're vulnerable and none of us knows what will happen tomorrow? If not, then spiritual practices, regular, ordinary life rhythms combined with personal intentionality have the potential to lift you from any funk that you might be in right now, to raise you above the mundane and the meaningless and to give you the value and the belonging and the acceptance that each one of us craves. The challenge is to take a pen and write down what your plan is. Not just today, but every day. No message in this series is complete without a quote from philosopher and author Dallas Willard. He once wrote, the disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is, strictly speaking, beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself as we offer ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of ourselves to Him as an instrument of righteousness. We read that in Romans 6.13. I hope that you might spend some time putting your plan together. And like always, if you need any help with that or anything else that might be touching your heart, you can reach out to us, care at windsorpark.org.nz. 
Our best work is not to give a formulaic way to live this out in your life. Do this, do this, do that. The best way that we go about this is one-on-one with you, helping you discover who you are, the way that God's wired you. What are the rhythms and practices that you might embrace in your life? It might be reading scripture. It might be listening to scripture with an audio book. It might be being out in the wilderness. It might be through poetry. It might be whatever it is. So we aren't going to tell you what to do. We want to encourage you to discover that, the uniqueness that God has placed in you. So we're here to help you with that. We'll offer different things to you. But please know that this is not limited to a list. This is a journey that we're all on, active training in our lives so that we might glorify God through everything we do day in and day out. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you've created us all so uniquely. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We we all have different views on the world, but you are the one constant in the midst of that. And we thank you that you've designed us to be in a relationship with you, to connect with you. And I simply pray today that we would think about what our plan is to connect with you, not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, how we might connect with you when we're in our cars, how we might connect with you when we're at work, how we might connect with you when we're lying in bed worrying about different things. Father, speak to our hearts. Help us to identify the uniqueness of how you've created us and the unique ways in which we can connect with you. We know that it's a process of trial and error many times, and so thank you that you haven't given us a strict list. But might we have the courage today to think about what our plan is, to identify any deficiencies that it might exist, and help us to have the courage to think about our priorities knowing that in this time of uncertainty, you are our rock, you are our foundation. To you, we lift, it, we lift our eyes. So speak to us by your Spirit. Might we hear? Might we write? Might we think? And might we take action? So that as your apprentices, we will grow and learn and continue to be your hands and your feet in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.